on Texas football. It's the Saturday pregame show here uh, with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three. Uh, Jerry, the Longhorns are in Fort Worth ready to get started. It looks like an unbelievable day uh, for football in Fort Worth. Uh, high of 59 at the start of the game. No chance of rain. Slight wind. Um, Longhorns couldn't ask for more. Football fans couldn't ask for more. Yeah. Uh, Texas also got great news on Thursday. Quinn Ewers back in the saddle for the Longhorns at the quarterback position after a two-game hiatus, uh, given uh, that uh, he, he was injured. Malik Murphy came in for him with some mixed results, but uh, a lot of positives uh, on, on that leisure for Malik Murphy. Uh, mostly, though, a big positive for the Texas Longhorns because they went 2-0 and during that stretch which they had to do to stay in the Big 12 race. And now, as a result of that and some other teams losing, the Longhorns in control of their own destiny in the Big 12. Yeah, no, absolutely in control of their own destiny. I mean, and they can see it. It's in clear sight now, right? I mean, you're three games away uh, from the trip to AT&T uh, to play more than likely Oklahoma State unless they have absolute collapse. Oklahoma State literally has to lose twice not to make the game. Uh I think um, that they'll, they'll be challenged today in Orlando. Um, and who's not challenged in Orlando unless your uh, traffic is challenging in Orlando. But, yeah, everything's in front of Texas. I've said – we said it for the last couple of days. This is the healthiest the team's been as far as guys playing on the field, taking part in practice since the team left Tuscaloosa. The only player not on the team not, – not healthier on the team is Chris Ross, and he was removed from the team. All the other guys that traveled to Tuscaloosa when Texas took down Alabama are all playing today and suited up for the Longhorns. It's been a while since we've been able to say that, Bobby. And I think that is Texas getting healthier at the right time. Jalen Catalan back. Christian Jones went through practice well all week. So um, it's extremely exciting time for Texas fans. Um, and and it, it, the interesting thing today is everybody's like, Texas has to bring their A game. I, we agree. I think Texas has to have a B-plus game. TCU has to be an A-plus game today. Yeah, and that that's is the reality of today. Yeah, that, that's absolutely the truth. And you know what? Uh, final meeting uh, for Texas and TCU for the foreseeable future. 94th time the two teams have met. Longhorns lead the series lopsidedly, as expected. Um, but it hasn't always been that way the last decade or so. Uh, Gary Patterson, since the entry to the Big 12, uh, owned the Longhorns in large part. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian right now, since his time in Austin, one and one uh, against uh, TCU and the Horn Frogs. Uh, while everybody remembers last year's game where TCU literally shut down the Texas offense, had just 199 yards of total offense uh, last year. The Texas defense also came to play and shut down the TCU offense for the most part. But, you know, TCU won a defensive struggle. Uh, the year before that, Texas won. Uh, uh, B. John Robinson got loose late in the game, uh, created a, a uh, late first down uh, that secured the win over Gary Patterson in his final year in Fort Worth. Uh, so Sarks, one and one. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have the bugaboo like Texas fans may have around uh, TCU. But I will say this. That game last year has to stick in the craw of Longhorns are on this team this year. And Sark. Yes, because that was a big one for them uh, because it was all eyes on Texas. Uh, there was a chance 
for the Longhorns to get into the Big 12 race. There was a chance for Texas to announce it had become one of the better teams in the Big 12. Now, ultimately, they they did show that later in the year. Uh, but this is one of those final games that I, I think that Sark needs to circle uh, and the team has circled internally, perhaps, uh, to get back on on track and, and show that yeah. Texas and their talent – Texas is not just a talented team. They're also a good football team. I, I think Sark has it circled. But we mentioned this yesterday afternoon on the uh, Longhorn live stream with Rod Babers. Bobby, they had 199 yards of offense against TCU last year. I'm guessing – I could be wrong. Somebody could bring up Sark's statistical history. I'm guessing he's never – that's the lowest output he's ever had as a head coach or offensive coordinator in a game. It has to be 199 yards. I, I'm guessing it's the only time he's ever been held under 200 yards. Uh, so, it, yeah, they have it circled. Sark certainly has it circled probably three times. Um, and, and it's they these guys know what's in front of them now. There's no – look, I don't think you need bulletin board material. I think the motivation's there. I think this is a little extra motivation. But if any of these guys need motivated right now, they're probably at the wrong program. I mean, because it's eight and one, you're ranked seven in the college football playoff, you're three wins away from a Big 12 championship game. And here's the thing we know about November football other teams are going to lose. They're going to lose. It happens every year in college football. Right now, what, what are the undefeateds? We have Ohio State and Michigan. They have to play each other. By the way, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh not coaching today. Um, then you have Washington, who has a tough game today in Seattle against Utah with not favorable weather conditions for a passing offense against a good defense. Um, then you have Florida State, Miami. I see a lot of Miami fans on the chat today. A lot of Miami fans on the chat today, my prediction. I mean, there's – look, at, people are going to lose. That's the nature of this of college football. We've seen it before. This team has everything in front of them. Uh, there's no real need for motivation, but I agree with you there's a little extra today. I, I think so. I mean, I, I think they have to they have to come out playing with a level of intensity that maybe maybe they didn't have against Houston. Maybe they didn't have against BYU. Maybe even that they didn't have at some level against a, a Kansas State or a Baylor who they beat last year. Right. This is a one of the very few redemption games. I think that uh, this Longhorn unit uh, should have on the schedule. Uh, and hopefully, Jerry, you and I know this. I mean, this isn't pro football. Right. I mean, college football is not pro football. Like, pro football, those guys wash it off, rinse it off, and go shower and head on down to the road to the next game. And they're they're almost robots to a degree. Yeah. 18 to 22-year-old guys, they're not robots. They remember what happened last year. Their, their football memory bank is much different and shorter than those of guys that have been in the league five, six, seven years that know they're going to go play Denver again next year. Yeah. College football is fleeting. Um, and so when you have a chance to go make your mark against a team like TCU that beat you a year ago, physically beat you, by the way, it wasn't, that wasn't a, it wasn't just by chance. TCU really beat Texas a year ago. Yes. Uh that you've got to make your mark. All right, we're going to take questions uh, today uh, from folks, talk a little pregame, have Let's a little fun. We'll be on until about uh, 11 a.m. Uh, Central. Jerry, you have something you want to say? Yeah, yeah. I just want to mention high school playoffs. Uh, Sarah Land, K.J. Lacey won last night big, as expected, the defending state champs in Alabama. Um, 
uh, Trail and Cy Fair, Landon Rink, they won Thursday night. They had get a matchup with Katie coming up this Friday. I think I'm going to be at that one. Duncanville demolished Hutto last night. Um, demolished him. So uh, uh, Texas commitments, Texas targets, play- high school playoffs have started. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's a great time for football because not only do we have meaningful college football games, we have extremely meaningful high school football games right now. Basketball season started. Texas uh, Texas went one going away last night, but it was a stinker. They did not play well. They had 20 turnovers. I mean, they shot it extremely well, but this team's going to shoot it well. They shot over 50% from three, 90 from the line, but 20 turnovers against a bad opponent. They were just careless with the basketball. A lot of coaching points there, but a great time for football, man. I mean, the great thing about Texas and TCU at 630, Michigan, Ohio State's coming on when we get out of this show. Miami and FSU at 2.30. You get to watch all these undefeated. This is why November is awesome. You get to watch all these undefeated teams right before Texas plays tonight. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I'm ready for it. Um, look, Pitt, Michigan, Penn State, uh, that's the 11 a.m. Game, game on Fox. Uh, then you have Alabama, Kentucky. I don't know. That's at Kentucky, Jerry. If Kentucky can get the run game going and get on top early, they can be stingy on defense at times. I don't think that's going to be a big game, but you never know. Kentucky could play spoiler there. Uh, All eyes for Texas, frankly, should be on Miami at Florida State at 2.30. If Florida State somehow slips up in that, that is a – the RSVP. door's wide open. <laughs> no, that is an RSVP to my wedding and everyone else's. Yeah. Come on in. For hey, you know what else is game. an interesting game today that I think impacts Texas? Texas Tech at Kansas. Can Texas Tech get any momentum late in the season leading into the Texas game? Can they get any confidence? Because they're four and five. They're playing at Kansas. They're not favored to win. It's a little chilly. If Texas Tech's going to build any momentum going into Austin, they got a couple of chances here to do it. They're not favored to, but if if Texas Tech played really well and, and upset Kansas, that would be that would be of note for me. Absolutely. Uh, so you you look at all of that together, Jerry, and the games, some other games. Utah goes to Washington, Ole Miss, and Georgia. Of course, Georgia, uh, number one ranked team in my opinion. Uh, Mississippi State uh, goes to Texas A and M today. A and M on QB three. Yeah, we do not believe Max Johnson no. is going to start. Uh, that's an interesting one, to say the least, because, geez, what are they going to do uh, at that position? Uh, then we also have uh, games in the Big 12, like Baylor going to Kansas State, uh, Oklahoma State going to Orlando, as you mentioned. That's a 2.30 kick. Jerry, I'm surprised. It's only a two-point favorite right now for Oklahoma State, who is 5-1, and one, and I think UCF is 1-5 in conference play. Don't ask me. Uh, oh, hey, you Bobby, one, other, one other key game. Duke at North Carolina. And I say that because the one of the funniest lines ever was when Mac Brown was at Carolina and Spurrier beat the brakes off of him in term and coined Mac Mr. Football in his post-game press conference <laughs> when Spurrier was at peak trash talk levels. So that's another that's another fun game out there. Gotcha. Um, let me see something real quick. I need the all right. Florida yeah. and LSU today, by the way. I mean, Florida, they may be looking at five and seven guys and a four-game losing streak in the regular season. They're about to have another decommitment today. Well, here's here's something else real quick. I, I want to keep going through the Big 12. 
West Virginia goes to OU. OU on a two-game losing streak. Tell you what, West Virginia comes out and plays a little defense. Um, that could be that could be an interesting one there in uh, Norman. Uh, OU should be happy they do get them in Norman. Don't have to go on the road. I'll, I'll mention that. Uh, Cincinnati goes to Houston tonight. Uh, Texas TCU obviously at six thirty. The other late game is who Texas plays next. So, frankly, I'm taping this and you should too mm-hmm. uh, Iowa State plays BYU after the Texas uh, TCU game so make sure you record that if you're a big Texas fan uh, at this point uh, I would definitely do that uh, if you could uh, Matt I sent you a text uh, I'm, our producer Matt would you mind going ahead and putting that up real quick for us uh, when you get a chance and uh, I can say the uh, pr- pr- promotion that we want to do this morning uh, but, Jerry, let's go ahead and get to some questions from folks and really get going on that. Uh, first of all, Chip, uh, 12 Chip, 23, thank you uh, for your uh, uh, super chat. Uh, the This game or this pregame show uh, is sponsored by the folks at Flight by Yingling. Uh, we are happy to welcome the oldest brewery in America, in America as our football season partners. Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer, will be at Schultz Garden in downtown Austin today for every home game or away game. So they're there today at the longest running and largest tailgating experience in Texas. That's at Schultz Garden. Uh, Please enjoy responsibly. I know some people are going to be kicking around a few this afternoon. All right, uh, here we go. Here's some questions from Colin. Who has more receiving yards between AD and Xavier Worthy tonight? If it follows trends right now, uh, Adonai Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell is going to be that guy. Because teams are paying a hell of a lot of attention to Xavier Worthy right now, Jerry. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the best case scenario for Texas is if uh, you, you notice TCU's bracketing Worthy out of the gate. That means A.D. Mitchell has favorable matchup. That means Xavier Sander, uh, J.T. Sanders uh, could be running free in that intermediate game. Look, I I, I think that here, here's the thing I'm going to watch for um, with Worthy more than being a receiver today is that TCU punting game. They have not been a great team punting the football and it's going to be a cold weather game. It's going to be hard for uh, TCU to outkick the coverage tonight. Right? So will Xavier worthy get any chances tonight in the punt return game? I think TCU is going to play away from worthy. Uh, But as far as wide receiver uh, position goes, I think AD Mitchell uh, will have more catches uh, tonight just because, I, I think I think TCU and teams just draw a bracket covering covering Xavier Worthy, which is tough for Worthy, but a great thing for the Texas offense. It has been. They haven't lost except for one game. That's against uh, Oklahoma, where the Sooners, frankly, just scored thirty scored more points. Yep. I mean, Texas has been extraordinarily consistent on offense this year. If you think about it, Jerry, um, thirty points in all nine, thirty points or more in all all nine games. Uh, that is a, a strong, strong offensive performance and a consistent one overall. Yes, there are times where they should have maybe blown people out or they could have scored more points, but 30-plus is 30-plus. And, and look, what will it get you? Eight out of nine games, you'll win. Yeah. Uh, that shows what, what we're talking about. All right, let's go to Jordan Baker. He has one here that I, I wrote a little bit about this on Inside Texas this morning, Jerry. Uh, do you see Quinn coming back and having the same success as he did last year against Oklahoma. There's two two lines of thought, Jerry, and this is what I wrote on Inside Texas. 
There's the Quinn Ewers that comes back after two weeks of sitting on the sideline. He kind of gets that, gets to take it all in for two weeks, maybe see a few things that he wasn't seeing early in the season and that he wasn't really thinking about because he had to prep for the game each and every week, you know, Oh, maybe I should take that second read here. Yeah. Maybe I should check down here. Maybe I should try to push the ball earlier here. Maybe I need to be quick. Those kind of mental things, a two-game break can kind of help you with that. Yeah. It can get you to reset your priorities and realize, oh, this is how I really attack it. And I need to be thinking about that ahead of time. Whereas if you're just going for game game to game, it's hard to do that. It's hard to fundamentally change. At the same time, that's the positive, right? At the same time. You worry about rust. Yeah. You know, is a, is a quarterback after two weeks a little rusty with that right arm, not in sync with his receivers? Is third and four suddenly going to be, become more difficult because he doesn't have that, that quickness that he was starting to show and display in key times uh, as the season wore on? Uh, fair question there, I think, from Jordan. I, I end up saying, Jerry, this is what I said. I think it's going to be a mix, a little bit of a mix of both. You may see Quinn make a little few mental adjustments. You may see some rust. I think that's that's the that's probably what we're going to see. You agree? I think, the, I think the biggest thing for Quinn for me today is, and I don't disagree with you at all. I think the biggest thing for me is still maintaining his patience, not getting the ball out too quick to protect the shoulder a little bit. Realize you're going to be hit. TCU is going to try to hit you uh, now. When if they force you to run, slide. I don't care what the scenario is. Slide. If you can't make fourth and one against a TCU three-man front, you're not you're not winning the line of scrimmage. Um, but uh, I, I, it'll be interesting to see if he tries to – if Sark also schemes that try to get the ball out quicker to protect him a little bit. I don't know if you can play the game that way, though, Bobby. I, I don't – because Quinn's strength is intermediate – between the intermediate and deep passing game, deep intermediate game. He is really good, is, is about as good as there is in college football. And those are longer developing routes. So how does Sark scheme it? How patient is Quinn going to be getting rid of the football today? I think it's going to be key for him. Got it. Uh, all right. I want to ask this one. This is unbelievable here. Hello from, from Freelance Society. Hello from Israel on a reporting job. Wow. How'd you like to be a war reporter, Jerry? Wow. Uh, hook them. How's the TCU pass rush? Uh, good question for freelance. Uh, be safe uh, over there, buddy. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, different times here as we're talking about something as fun as football. You're dealing with some real world stuff. Uh, talk. Let's talk a little bit about the TCU pass rush. Yeah, I think um, they they had some sacks early. We had Stephen Johnson on uh, that covers a team for uh, Fort Worth Star Telegram yesterday, and he mentioned that that their sack numbers have really slowed down in Big Twelve play. The majority of their sacks came first four games of the year. So, look, their best D lineman is Dominic Williams. He's an over-the-ball player, really good over-the-ball player, not an interior pass rush guy, has two sacks this season. Their edge is in the three-man front. They're not great pass rushers. They lost some really talented players defensively last year. They have to bring numbers to get pass rush, or if they, they should have to bring numbers to get pass rush against Texas. Um, which leaves their defense in a vulnerable spot, and I think partially why they've had some tackling issues this year. Um, but it, it, I don't think they're a great pass rushing team at all. I think they're going to have to bring numbers. I think they're going to have to walk the, the guys into uh, the box, simulated pressures, as Rod calls them, but they're going to have to show a lot of pressure outside their front three today. 
Interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, the pregame live stream here brought to you by the folks at Yingling, the next generation of light beer. Taste for yourself. It's flight by Yingling with this 2.5 carbs and under 100 calories per beer. Uh, Jerry, uh, we got this is an interesting one too. Clark Douglas, as you and I know, a lot of people go to school different places, but actually are Longhorn fans through and through. That's just been uh, the history of time, part of what uh, makes Texas football special. Uh, Clark says, I'm a student at Miami, but diehard Longhorn fan. I think the Miami defense could come up big against Florida State. They do have the, the personnel. I agree with Clark here. But he's scared that Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback, just yeah. might not be healthy enough. He's the one that absolutely ripped A&M a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a month and a half ago or so. Yeah, I think it'll be so interesting. Again, that's at Tallahassee. And, I mean, we talk about this. Miami's going into the Hornets' nest in a rivalry game. I mean, FSU, it's been a long time since for FSU, not as long as Texas, obviously. It's been a long time since FSU could could see it and smell it and sense it. I mean, they they got a chance now uh, to go to the college football playoff if they went out. So, man, Miami, it, it's – if it was a neutral game, Bobby, I'd feel better about Miami's chances. And it's still football. It's a rivalry game. But being that it's in Tallahassee and these fans are going to be totally jacked uh, because it's Miami coming to town and you're four wins away from a college football playoff, that's a tough task for uh, for, for the Canes. I wonder uh, – and Clark may know this better than I would. I, I wonder about the health of the Miami defensive line. They have a lot of injuries early in the year. I don't, I mean, obviously their top two guys are there, but I just wonder about the health of their D line because here's the thing Florida State struggled to run the ball of late. So if somebody can really stymie that run game for Florida State, uh, maybe you get into a game where, where they turn it over a couple of times against you through the air. Uh, I they, mean, Texas, Miami's going to have to win the turnover battle today, by the way. Look, it is a, I agree with you that it's not Texas OU. Uh, because this is a home and away. Right. And people have to remember that. This is more like Texas, Texas A&M used to be, where the, the home field definitely matters. Yeah. Even in Miami, by the way, which doesn't necessarily have a home field advantage uh, to speak of. All right, hey, I, I want to ask you a couple of recruiting questions, Jerry, because yeah. we're getting a couple of different kinds, and I'm going to do this real quick. Uh, Donnie wants to know, what position <laughs> does Florida's decommitment play? Cornerback, question mark. And then working man asks, Flips from Florida to Texas, possibly. Thanks for those two questions, guys. Now, if if the flip happens that it's expected from the Florida class today or tomorrow, um, that's not anybody Texas is recruiting, but it keeps that negative momentum going for them. I mean, that's the thing. If they lose today to LSU, then they're sitting there and they're at Missouri and they have FSU at home and they're staring at five and seven unless they upset Florida State. But, I mean, you know, they're starting to get that negative momentum in recruiting right now. And that's when it becomes tough. Um, so, no, it's nobody Texas. It's not Wardell Mack or Phil Same I'm talking about. Now, I'll say this. I was at John Eric Thursday. It was Thursday. I've lost track of my days. Yeah, Thursday. Uh, Texas has a real shot at Phil Same. I mean, sorry, at Wardell Mack right now. Um, I'm not sure he takes another visit to Austin before the December 20th signing period, but I'm not sure that really even matters. Uh, he's been there multiple times. He is going to be at the Miami FSU game today. Wardell Mack we're talking about. Florida's trying to get him to come to town for the FSU game. But it's so interesting. Now, he's had the, the Miami-Florida State game scheduled for a while, but it's still interesting to me that Florida's playing in Baton Rouge and he's not going. Yeah, I mean, that, that's 
60 minutes from his house. I mean, if, if you're Florida staff, you don't feel great about that. I mean, he's, he's instead of just staying close to home, watching you, watching the team he's committed to, he's going to the rival today. Um, yeah, I mean, Miami, Miami, Florida State, I'd go to that game too. Cedric Baxter went, went to a couple of Florida State games last year and ended up signing with Texas. But different recruitment. Texas was never in danger of losing Baxter. Florida has an issue on their hands with Mac because it's Florida State, Texas, and LSU. They're getting hit three different ways on this. I want to say this. Um, not only Wardell Mack, but Xavier Philsame is another one that we talked about. I, I want to mention those two guys could peel off of that class as well. You mentioned there's another player that you probably don't want to mention in particular because you got some inside scoop. There's, there's two more, one today or tomorrow, and another one coming probably in a week or two. Oh, wow. So, really, that's starting to happen, peel off. Uh, then you add a couple other things in here. Early in the season, it looked like DeAndre Robinson, the defensive tackle out of Orlando, was maybe talk, still talking to Florida. And Jarrett Gibson, the running back out of IMG, both committed to Texas, were thinking about Florida. That kind of seems to have gone, I don't want to say by the wayside, but but the, the volume on that talk has certainly gone down. The juice after beating Tennessee is gone. That's the main thing, right? I mean, it... it now, we, we it, what's so interesting uh, is if Florida loses to LSU on the road, then loses to Missouri on the road, they have Florida State coming to town. That Texas fans are going to have to cheer for Florida in that scenario. But a 6-6 six and six Florida, I don't know if that's really going to get it done uh, because their schedule in 2024 is brutal. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. All right. Hey, we got a couple other questions here that I want to I want to get to that are kind of interesting to me. Uh, this one comes um, from uh, <laughs> this one comes from Justin Yarbrough. Who do you all think has a real chance to get a look at safety in the spring? I really like the idea of Brooks getting a look there. So Terrence Brooks maybe moving from a starting corner spot to safety. What What do you think? Is, is that possible? Would he get a look at star first? I mean, I see. I think Terrence Brooks is a natural boundary corner, but Ryan Watts is there, and they're trying to get their best players on the field. I, I for me, it's and, and Manny Muhammad is he playing boundary because he's a freshman, and it's it's a little bit it's a good spot for a freshman cornerback, like it versus coming in and playing yep. on the field side. Yep. Um, I think it's going to be. I don't see Brooks moving away from corner in his third year. I see him probably moving the boundary corner. Um, and, and that being playing really to his strengths. Interesting. I, th I think uh, that's Bobby, Bobby, here's a uh, here's a question I have for you. <clears throat> Who's better in run support, Manny Muhammad or Terrence Brooks? I think Terrence Brooks. So I, that, that I, 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 I think that I think Muhammad is a flashy guy that's better in open field type situations and dislodges the ball. We've talked about that in spring or in fall practice what he did there. Um, but I talking specifically about safety. They have got to move, in my opinion. Either Gilbo or Austin Jordan. Austin Jordan, Gilbo, or Jelani McDonald. All yep. three at star right now. Um, what if, I mean, here's one to put out there, right? What if, uh, what if uh, one of those two, Gilbo or Austin Jordan, transfer? Yeah. Because they're not up next at, at uh, nickel. 
and they're in the same recruiting class, somebody moves on, right? That's a natural. Um, then you have two guys there. Then maybe you don't move one of them to, to safety. But reality is Warren Roberson could play that position. Warren right. Roberson could move to safety. Warren right. Roberson might be the backup at boundary corner next year. Um, and, and depending on who they sign. And look, Jordan Johnson-Rebell comes in early. And one thing about Jordan Johnson-Rebell, he doesn't get chances at IMG because they're so good on the front seven, but he comes in prepared. He's been yeah. in a college, small college program for two years. I, I would think he comes in and surprises people. I, I, I will say this. I, I like him. I saw him in person, Jerry. The only thing I worry about that is – he does not see anything that resembles a real passing attack. Right. Because, uh, to your point, their defensive line is on top of everybody. He doesn't worry about people getting – he doesn't truly worry about people getting behind him like he like he will have to in uh, college football. All right, let, let's move on a little bit. Thanks for that question. Uh, 12 chip 23, Jonte scores tonight. Uh, that would be a fun one. Uh, returning to the mega uh, Metroplex. Yeah. And uh, bringing home a TD. That would be great. I mean, I I think everybody thought his first touchdown, <laughs> you know, would be earlier. But if if he put one on the board in Fort Worth, I think uh, that would be a big thing for Jonta. All right, here's a let's talk a little bit about some other games, and then I'm, I'm going to oh. start with this. You know, Iowa has already signed the the death papers of uh of their offensive coordinator postseason. Our producer Matt brought this up in the the pre meeting for this uh, uh, broadcast here today, Jerry Rutgers plays Iowa today, the over-under of that game, not not the point spread, the over-under is 27 and a half points. Crazy. I mean, 27 and a half? I mean, I that's mean, like sixth grade. I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing tickets are pretty cheap on uh, StubHub <laughs> for that one. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you think about that. Um, what – let, let's go to this one uh, because we haven't talked much about Michigan, Penn State. Yeah, I want to get your feeling on this. This is in Happy Valley. I've I've gone to three games in Happy Valley. One of which involved the Longhorns. Okay, it is a true intimidating atmosphere. It is one of the best atmospheres you will see. I mean, if, if from a Texas perspective, you can think of the Cotton Bowl going to A and M. Those are, have been the tough ones historically for Texas. It's every bit, if you went to the Texas-Alabama game, it's every bit Alabama, maybe more, yeah. a little bit more jammed in there, uh, not the megaplex necessarily that you see that Alabama's become. I I feel like James Franklin has just been a no-show in big games, basically, at Penn State, except when he's at home. Yeah. And so with Jim Harbaugh out for this game, uh, J.J. McCarthy having a good year, but not necessarily a – I don't think he's unbelievable or anything. Where, where do you come out on this Michigan-Penn State game this today? I, You know, it's it's interesting because you would think if it was a little bit younger but overwhelmingly talented Michigan team, you'd think, okay, this stuff could start affecting them. But they're such an older, experienced team. Um, you know it's uh, they're taking the us-against-the-world mentality right now. We're going to shove it up everybody's you-know-what. And what does Harbaugh really do on game day? What does he really do? Well, I mean, 
Look, I think he has. I think he's an important piece. I mean, I think. I, I, I mean, what does he? What does he say? Go for the punt. Go for fourth. Down. I mean, he doesn't call plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think though, from a motivational standpoint, I mean, I, I think that he has some strengths, right? I mean, I think he is. He's the. I mean, he's the CEO. He's the head coach of the program. He is Michigan through and through. He's the guy. He's the guy that recruited all these guys. So I. But I think that I think it almost. To your point, though, I think it's almost a thing where it's where oh we're gonna go win for Coach Harbaugh. I mean, we're going to go win this for Harbaugh. It almost gives Michigan extra motivation today. Uh, I'm not sure. Penn, I, I bet Penn State would have preferred Harbaugh actually coach the game today and then get the suspension after that. Um, but for Penn State, to me, I mean, look, Drew Allard needs to look like a future high NFL draft pick today. That's the whole deal. I think Penn State's going to play good enough defense against a really good team with a great offensive line, potentially. I think Drew Allard... If people come out of this game saying Drew Allar looked like a first-round pick today, then Penn State might have won. Interesting. All right. Um, hey, Daniel Kinnaman has this question for us, Jerry. Uh, will we see more of the 6-0 line package? Seems like an ideal fit for facing the three high safeties. Rod Babers talks about this all the time. He loves that Malik Ogbo at the, at yeah. the tight end position against this three high safety look. My question is, I know we'll see it. The question is, how much that's number one and how much are they going to use that package versus what rod also sees as the other way that sark likes to attack it which is going three receivers on one side of the field yeah. to make those three high safeties declare what the coverage is yeah prior to the snap I, I, so I, so which one do you think they go to more that that six tight end look or three right receivers to a side i think it all depends on a tcu's ability to get pass rush if they can't get pass rush then and you can run the ball against that three-man front and they can't get pass rush, then it's much easier to go to your three wides and say, I've got everything at my disposal. I can throw it. I can run it. I'm not worried about you sacking us. Um, so I think that is big for uh, – if TCU doesn't get pressure early in the game, then I think that that's, Sark can kind of – that's a different look at what he can do uh, and what he wants to do against the team. All right, uh, this is uh, the pregame show. I'm Bobby Burton uh, alongside Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. It's on Texas football, Longhorn live stream. Uh, just remember, uh, the taste of game time, Flight by Yingling. It's the next generation of light beer. Taste it for yourself, Flight by Yingling. I also want to say thank you to our friends at Faust Distributing, a uh, big Longhorn uh, backing group there uh, and uh, friends of ours. All right, Jerry, um, I'm going to go to this next question that someone's posted. And you and I think that this guy, we just think the world of this young man. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Baker's asking, what a, what impact do you see Ethan Burke having today? He was a revelation against Kansas State. How much value can you place on a guy that plays with that kind of uh, just motor passion, motor, yeah. has that length so he can actually come back on and and overrun the quarterback and then still get there sometimes like he did against Will Howard. What, what do you, impact do you see him having against a Josh Hoover and the TCU Horn Frogs today? I think he's going to have a big impact if for no other reason TCU watched the film against Kansas State said, ooh, they're a much better team with him in there. And that causes more issues for TCU because Baron Sorrell's playing, I think, his best football of the year. Sweat Murphy are playing really good. Now you have Burke back and healthier than he will has been since uh, the knee injury. Um, and it's a different look. It's a different look with Ethan Burke out there. I mean, he leads his team in sacks, right? I mean, 
he comes less than two weeks removed from knee surgery and knee scope. And he has two sacks um, against Kansas State. And to me, that's the whole that's the whole deal today is really there's there's two things for me. Obviously, turnovers on the road. Um, if Texas doesn't turn the ball over in the first half, I really, really like their chances. The other thing is if Texas dominates the defensive line, the defensive line, if they can make TCU one dimensional, I think TCU is going to test Texas because they're going to play fast a lot. But still, if you can take away Amani Bailey and make them one dimensional, then look, that's going to be Texas game plan. There's no doubt that's what they've been doing all year long. It's right there in front of you. Um, but if they can take, if Ethan Burke and that defensive line can take away the run another week, I like Texas chances. If TCU hits some early passes and then they start running a little bit, then you start saying, okay, that's not that's not ideally what you want if they're playing fast. But I think I think Burke is a future NFL player, and that he's a future NFL player. Everybody's going to talk about the length. They're going to talk about um, the physicality he plays with and the toughness. It's his motor. It's his motor, 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 motor. And I'll say this, Bobby, he will forever be the first prospect that got me to a lacrosse field. <laughs> hey, Jerry, <Forever. laughs> this is, we, we would be, uh, Steve Sarkeesian likes to use the term remiss. We would be remiss if we did not mention what Steve Sherlock says here today. Front seven are going to eat today. It's not just Ethan Burke that makes Ethan Burke have the, the ability he does. It really helps when you're lined up opposite or next to Tavondre Sweat, Alfred Collins, and Byron Murphy. Uh, those guys have, have definitely played a role in bringing a young guy like Ethan Burke along and giving him that opportunity to see single-type situations outside because they're so busy, the interior is so busy helping on both Sweat and Murphy. Yeah, and by the way, Bobby, I want to ask you this because I think this plays into it, is do you think, and we're, we're just spitballing here, guys, do you think – TCU has designed QB run game early in this game with Hoover to try to slow down Texas like Oklahoma did. Because that I hope so. I, I think they should. I say I, I hope so. I, I think they should. Yep. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, the question I have, look, OU it their offensive line's better than TCU. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. So T and T and what really works well on that quarterback run, it's not the tackles. Okay, where TCU does have experience, because you're just basically going upfield and to the outside shoulder on tackles. Typically, it's the three guys working in the middle plus the running back helping. Yeah, on Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and Jalen Ford, whoever those three are. Right. I don't TCU a year ago could do that. You saw Max Duggan run for a lot of critical yardage, partially because their center and left guard are both in the NFL mm -hmm. right now. And Avila was a stud player. Yeah, exactly. And so I think he was second team All-American, something like that. My point being that I don't know that they have that offensive front to really worry me. Just like, I mean, frankly, U of H didn't have that. Right. Um, didn't have those that interior that you worried about. And that's we didn't see Donovan Smith run much. Uh, I think, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. I think they'll try it, and I think they should. If I were Kendall Bryles and I, I saw the it. OU tape and my cohort, Jeff Levy, did that, then I would do the same darn thing and see what Texas has to say about it. Yeah. All right, uh, here, here we go. This one for Bobby Brown. Do we see – hey, guys, do we see more of Big Cam Williams today? 
the young man out of Duncanville, uh, redshirt freshman, uh, played almost every snap. I think he did play every offensive snap for the Longhorns, including uh, point-after attempts yeah. on, on Saturday against Kansas State. Uh, your thoughts on him, if we see more of him at another spot, could he play a, in, in the tight end look instead of Malik Ogbo? Any thoughts there, Jerry? I, I don't know about that. I think, you know, look, they're keeping him on his developmental path. I think that's the main thing. Like, because we talked, why hasn't he played some left guard? They're, they're developing this guy to be the right tackle next year. And that is an everyday thing in practice, right? He works out at left tackle one day a week because technically if, if Kelvin Banks got hurt, he would be the left tackle to hold Guzzi's red shirt, who Texas is very high on guys. Um, but I think the developmental piece is so big. They got it's an everyday process to get Cam Williams. He came out raw, but very talented to be where he can be the right tackle next year. I, so I, on so on one level, they don't really mess with that much, right? Malik Ogbo is a guy that has more versatility. Um, but Cam Williams, he needs to be ready to be the starting right tackle next year. And that's again, that's an everyday thing in practice. That is owning honing in on one position and really locking in your technique and learning the footwork in that position uh, every day in practice. So will they, I mean, I'm not going to rule it out, but I think that's why we haven't seen Cam Williams take reps at guard, you know, because that, that he's on a path right now and that path is, is clear. And, and you know what, it, it speaks to what Sark does, frankly. I mean, he hasn't rushed Arch Manning either. No. And they love him. I, I think any oh he absolutely loves him. But the point being, te, Sark's not looking to overrun people with with things right now. I mean, he's trying to just he's trying to make sure guys are getting there at the right time and are ready to go when they get there. All right, we got about three more minutes till the top of the hour. I'm going to personally be watching Michigan, Penn State, Alabama, UK, maybe a little bit of Texas Tech, uh, Kansas. I'm definitely taping the Texas Tech Kansas game. Uh, since the Longhorns still have the Red Raiders on the schedule after this one. Uh, but let's get to a couple final questions. Bobby, we see this from Ryan Nelson. We see every week what happens when your OC also has head coaching duties, not optimal game management decisions, which can hurt you when you face a quality team. I mean, I, look, I hear you, but I don't think Sark, other than OU, has he cost the team a game this year? Did he cost OU? Did he cost Texas the OU game, or did the defense, where he had nothing to say about it, cost Texas the game? Yeah, I mean, I look. Is Steve Sarkeesian a perfect game manager? No, but I'm going to say this: Is Nick Saban a perfect game manager? No, damn close. Yeah, <laughs> he's the closest we've seen. He's the closest I've seen. <laughs> Mike Gundy's pretty good too. Yeah, but. Even he left time on the clock for OU to go back down and score. His defense got it done. Texas didn't. That's the difference. Uh, he was also playing at home, by the way. All right, uh, this one from Jerry from Lou Namikaze. Jerry, if you if uh, you don't compromise your connections and relationships, what would you put the over or under for number of flips that Texas gets? And this isn't necessarily just from Florida. Now, I would say. Um... Unless somebody pops up that we don't know right now, maybe the staff knows, but it's not ready to get out publicly right now. I would say two, maybe three. If you set a two and a half number, I'd have a tough time picking it. Gotcha. Got it. All right, uh, guys, that's going to do it. 
for today's pregame show brought to you by the folks at Flight, the next generation of light beer from America's oldest brewery, your Yangling. Pick up a flight before you get going uh, today. Have a little uh, free time, fun time uh, at home watching games or head out to Schultz's Beer Garden if you're in Austin. Uh, they have a tailgate party each and every Saturday, home or away. Uh, there'll be uh, the games on at Schultz's. All right, uh, for Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, guys, Texas 8-1 and one, going for 9-1. and one. I cannot tell you how big this is, and we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. Longhorns win this one. They're 9-1 and one, heading to Iowa State with a chance to go back and, and get in not only to the Big 12 Championship, but all of their season goals ahead of them. That's how big the tonight's the, the game is against Sonny Dykes and the Horn Frogs. Hey, and look, the more you win, too. I mean, this is what's big in recruiting. It's it, it's not just big in the wins in recruiting, but the more wins you stack, you're going to see more Texas players, finalists for Doak Walker, finalists for this, finalists for that. You're going to see Texas Longhorn players at the ESPN Awards shows. Those are all huge things in recruiting. Uh, so there's a lot in front of this team, not only on the field, but that what impacts them with each and every win. Yeah, good point, Jerry. All right, uh, we'll be back with the watch along. Aaron Hogan will start that up around 6.15 tonight. Uh, the, our watch with us, uh, sponsored by a group of folks. Uh, and then we'll have the post-game show. Uh, Rod Babers, uh, former players Rod Babers and Drew Kelson will join me talking about the Longhorns. Uh, for Jerry Hamilton uh, and our producer, Matt Hutchinson, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching. Uh, go get them. Hook them.